It is Monday, April 12th, 2021, and this is the iPhoneography Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Greg McMillan, and with me is my co-host and good friend, Dave Bodner. Hello, Dave. Hey, Greg. How's it going today? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. We're uh, slow and steadily creeping into spring up here in Canada, which is a good thing. Starting to see some flowers and whatnot. Well, that's always a good thing, yeah. Yeah. But it's still, well, you know, we had a day where it was, I'll bet you, probably mid-70s there last week. But then it cooled down again. Now we're getting our typical, I'm going to say around 50s, 60s weather. So Okay. Okay, so holding up in the morning where you have to bundle, well, morning or for probably for you when you get off of work, uh, since you got late nights. But uh, first thing in the day where it's cold enough, you have to wear a jacket. But the afternoon where it's pleasant enough, you kind of don't. You can leave it at home type thing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a mixed bag of temps. So, but you know, we're used to it. So, um, this week we are going to um, each take a turn at uh, taking the microphone here, and. I'm going to talk about uh, attachment lenses and uh, you know how and how to use them and what to use them for and things like that. But first, you're going to talk a little bit about color, right? And what really sparked this was what we were just bringing up about uh, spring coming back and color starting to come back in general. Um, the fact that when you normally talk about colorful photography, at least nature photography or landscape, everyone immediately thinks fall, leaves, you know, which which are amazing, especially, uh, let's say, up north in New England area or other places. It's got, you know, the, the, the kaleidoscope of color. But when you start to see things like the green patches start hitting – and the flower and the flowering trees, um, you, especially after months of kind of brown. And, you know, and this is one thing that kind of gets to me. And this is little rant, not not major rant, little rant. Um, all the Christmas songs that you hear, the pop, you know, they talk about the winter wonderland and how great it yeah. is to be around oh. snow. <laughs> and yeah. You hear those in October, October, early, yes, October, um, November, and all the way through December. Well, for a lot of places, at least in the States, you don't get heavy winter weather in October November or even early December, a lot of times. Yeah, not even you know, up here. No, I mean, I I remember when I was in college, I had a um, I had a roommate for the quote unquote fall semester, who was um, just came up for a semester from Mexico City, and he said, "I've never seen snow in person." You know, where's the snow at? <laughs> and I had to explain to him, well, fall semester generally is pretty nice. You know, because we you generally have your last week at the very early part of December, so nothing really hits. Where 
your worst weather is normally the quote unquote spring semester because it's January, February, March, ending in really early May before anything starts to regrow again. Yeah. Even down, you know, I was in West Virginia and even that's not too far away from Pittsburgh or how the weather's that much different. So it's kind of had to explain to them, yeah, you, if you want to have snow, you ought to come up here in spring semester, which doesn't make much sense. But so, you know, the fall and the call in the winter, the color in the winter in the fall kind of follows a whole bunch of green and nice warm weather. And then you get the pretty colors with a little bit brisk versus spring color where it pops up out of here seeing brown stick or it's, as, as Matt Hoffman said, stick weather. Yeah. Stick season, you have yeah. a bunch of brown. Exactly. So now you have these pops of colors, which of course sometimes makes it hard to breathe because of the pollen and allergies, mm-hmm. but it is a nice little pop up where I'm noticing, you know, when you're out driving or going for a walk, you're starting to see not only, it isn't just one shade of green with the new growth. You know, a lot of times it's different shades depending on when the growth starts or the different trees and the different flowers. So that's one thing I've noticed in terms of not just the flowers in general. Like we have a couple of hyacinths in our backyard and uh, we have a lilac bush where I can go and do a little macro shots and try to get up close to get color, but just the colors in general. So I thought I mentioned that, you know, not only to keep an eye out for color when you're doing photography or just out there, but the one thing that at least the older phones, like it's kind of weird to say my the older phones like the 10, <laughs> which is the newer design, if you will, compared to the uh, buttons. But a lot of times they don't they they can get a little muted with the colors. Just because, you know, phones still don't have the dynamic range of the human eye. So you may see something and it may pop and you're like, that is just beautiful pop. But you look at it on your screen, you're like, that's not popping like I thought it would. Which I've noticed happens with color more than white balance being off. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you want to say you're coming, you want to show off and say, this was an amazing shot. This is an amazing view. I want to share it. And hey, look at this amazing thing. You look at the picture when you first look at it, you're like, that's not as amazing as I thought. <laughs> um, so just knowing that what you have in your when you're doing color, knowing what you see in your eye. And what you've seen when you're out there may not 100% match what is being captured. And knowing that you may have to do some editing to actually match either the feeling you got off of it or the actual image that you saw. Yeah. So yeah. That's yeah, because some people helped. some people some people want to put out like when I say put out, I mean like uh, reproduce. I guess you could say. Um, what they actually saw, like you said, but then there's that artistic side where you can just let your imagination go and, uh, you know, pretty much do whatever you want with it, even change the color. Exactly. Exactly. That's why, like, I, um, my, I I still do most of my editing in the built-in photos app, but my next level up is, um, Polar. 
And one thing I like is that they do have the ability to edit individual colors. Yeah. So, and I've noticed like one picture I took recently, and it was a high tension power line, uh, or the at least the pole, not necessarily line, but the pole, where I looked at it and it was this rusty orangey red. And it was a blue sky. So just the contrast between those two colors. And, you know, the tree, there was a good amount of green in the trees with the new growth. So you had the green and the blue and you had the orange, orangey red. And, you know, it just kind of, the, the, the not necessarily the shapes, but the colors and the contrast between the colors kind of caught me. And when I took the picture, of course, even with the, when we, as we talked about Zoom um, early, in an earlier episode, I didn't want to overzoom and get pixelated or use the digital zoom too much. But the problem is it still didn't feel the image. So after even doing that adjustment, I had to go in and say, okay, well, I want that shade of orange kind of boosted up, but I don't want, you know, this part because I don't want, I just didn't want to boost colors in general. Um, I mean, that is one good thing that the iPhone's good at is that it generally does a pretty good job with getting accurate color uh, reproduction you know yeah, it doesn't it's yeah. not going to just say oh i'm gonna you know apple's engineers and this is all you know personal um preference i don't want to say there's anything right or wrong it's all personal preference but apple's engineers tend not to overblow images just to make the colors extra poppy yeah where yeah, they, do, other, they do a lot of color calibration like, yeah yeah but like i said with these i wanted to have a little extra pop a little more pop than reality if you will so that's why i did some of the editing there but also it got me thinking about going out and looking for colors you know um even in terms of because the green the the new growth the the leaves coming out haven't brought haven't um completely overwhelmed everything there's still a good amount of sticks that you can see Mm-hmm. So not necessarily using – I know there's apps out there, and I used to use them a little bit more. And I know it's can be a little bit of where people really don't like the the effect where you only have – you have everything kind of grayed out in one color popping. Um, I know it can be overdone, and if it's done it, – it's like everything else. If it's done in a good – time and it's hard to say when that is or if it's not overdone having that shot where only um like when my niece got married we did a shot and the only thing we left in color was her uh, bouquet oh yeah and everything else was gray and it, it just really really popped it was just a really but if you do all your shots like that or if you do i'm just going to do this to do this and you don't think it's adding anything it can get a little much yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, you know, but there are ways uh, on different apps to say, okay, well, I'm going to tone down these other colors, not necessarily make them black and white, just tone them down a little bit to make the other colors pop. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, an artistic approach. Exactly, exactly. And I know, you know, you could go out and study color theory and get the color wheel. Um, I never taken a class in photography i know people have studied and they know you know this color goes with this and this goes with this but sometimes it's good i mean i and trust me it's good to have the additional information 
But I think sometimes it's good also to pull out and say, these two are clashing colors, but it works here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and for, for me, a lot of it is, and again, the one advantage we have with phones is, you know, it, like, well, I say the advantage of all digital photography and which includes the phones is if you take 30 shots, you can throw away 26 of them and have four really good shots. So you're not really missing anything by having all the extra shots. Yeah, that's right. And, and for, for, for us old people, we remember where if you took a shot and you had to pay for it to be developed to see how it was going to turn out if you didn't develop <laughs> yeah. it yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, you had to give it to the little person who lived in the little building in the parking lot and wait a week and a half for it to come back. Yeah. We did but, a lot more <laughs> thinking before we shot back then. We did, yeah. 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 Nowadays, like it's I just said, click, uh, click, click. Click, yeah. And you know what? I... I Sometimes there's there's good and bad to everything. There's good and bad to everything. But for me, when I'm looking at colors, like I said, especially around spring, they're just starting to pop out. Mm-hmm. And I like to highlight where the colors pop out. You know, and it, sometimes you can you can look, and sometimes it, you have to look for the situation. It's a little bit easier with the with the flowers coming out, like we were saying, and the trees in bloom, or it could just be something like uh, maybe a house has a particular awning on it. You know, that's very mm-hmm. colorful, that really stands out. Or if you're you have like a um, a downtown area or. Um, a little shop area where the shop actually stands out because of the color. Yeah. And that's something that using not only using the color adjustment, but making it where your framing and your focusing actually makes the colors pop even without touching the color. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The the composition. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, like I said, the framing and how you're going to cut it and how far you were away so you can see what's around it or not around it. And it's just something to keep in mind as you're going out and thinking. Because I think a lot of people just, even if you're doing basic photography, you know, basic street photography, basic, I just want to go out there and show what's out there. Having that little extra pop of color or highlight um, can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're isolating that color. You're kind of getting it to separate exactly. itself from everything else. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because I know, like, um, one thing that Pittsburgh has a lot of are bridges, and most of the bridges are painted uh, a very bright yellow. So oh, okay. that So they can be used a lot. Uh, there's actually two local people I follow on Instagram. Uh, one's called City Life Adventures, and I'm trying to get the other person's Instagram here because someone. But they they photo a lot in terms of let's say the local bridges using reflections and the yellow in the bridges really stand out. Oh, uh, Crazy City Lady is the other one, so it's Crazy City Lady and City Life Adventures. They're both local Pittsburgh photographers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their photos have the bridges in them, and it's not color-adjusted where they're, like, toning down and making the yellow boosted. It's just how it shows up naturally. 
And it really emphasizes the bridges with just the color. So it can make a big difference just using that um, that, to highlight what you want to highlight. Yeah, that would be kind of like the uh, yellow cabs in New York City. They sure stand out. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Um, Funny enough, you know, when we bought our RAV4 a couple of years ago, um, we were going to get a dark blue one. And now I don't know about anywhere else, but around here, most of the vehicles seem to be uh, black, white, any shade of gray. Um, You know, if it's a blue, it's generally a dark blue. Uh, You know, there's just like the color of vehicles just doesn't seem to be very uh, like there just doesn't seem to be a very wide range. Uh, you know, there's some reds, some dark reds, a lot of burgundies and things like that. Um, but we ended up getting one that's the color is called blue flame. So if you look at the flame in a, a like a Bunsen burner or you know on a gas stove or, or even a candle, that blue part of that flame that's what color this thing is, and it stands out in a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> At least around here, anyway. So, um, yeah. So, I mean that that's that's color isolation right there. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I just went to Toyota website to because I, I I remember you showing sharing pictures of it, but just to refresh myself here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that that's that's almost a it's almost a dark teal almost on the computer. Yeah, yeah. It kind of depends on on it, your it's, screen, it's, I guess. But. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not a light blue where it's like a baby blue, but it's a lighter, sh- lighter. Like you said, it's not most most blues are you know almost a earthy tone more a blue or very dark. Where that is, it, it's bright, and yeah, that would definitely stand out in a crowd. Yeah, and a buddy of mine said it was petty blue, so that would be like Richard Petty's <laughs> race car in okay. NASCAR. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, you know it is close. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, any, any more thoughts on on color and, and uh, isolating it? And- I would say that's around it for now. Just you know, it's you uh, just saying that you don't necessarily have to go the editing route to have the full isolation, but just seeing what's out there that you can isolate um, just on how the color may pop on its own. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a, an interesting topic, especially this time of year. Like for you know, for us in the, the northern hemisphere, where it's spring, and well, actually for the southern hemisphere, you're, they're approaching autumn. So, um, you know, there's there's opportunities to isolate color just about anywhere in the world now that that, that has color. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be just plants and trees. It could be, you know, like we talked about cars. Um, could be like and. You know, with your example in Pittsburgh, bridges, uh, just, you know, look for any, any way at all to isolate color, um, and, and make it stand out. And, uh, you know, when you mentioned the, uh, the photos app, the editing functions in the photos app, I'm starting to, like, I've been using it a little more since I've been using Apple Pro Raw. And mm, uh, yeah. one thing that I've been finding is that sometimes it just doesn't have what I need. So I end up going to, you know, Darkroom, Snapseed, um, you know, some of these other ones that have 
those extra little functions and, and features in them. And, and polar even with, uh, you know, you can isolate the sky or, or isolate the foreground and things like that. So, um, but yeah, it, it, there's, you know, that's, that's what I love about this type of thing. This, this iPhone photography is there's so many options and opportunities for us. And uh, <clears throat> so that kind of brings me to the second part of the show here where um, I'm going to talk about some, you know, I'll give my thoughts on add-on lenses and like accessory lenses for mobile phones. And this is, this isn't just for iPhone. This is, um, you know, Samsung, LG, just about any mobile phone or even tablet. Um, you have the opportunity to, to try this. And the main reason that anyone would want to do this, in my opinion, and it, it, that, it, that's how I started with it, it was to expand on the um, capabilities of the phone's cameras. So most phones, if, if it has just one camera, it probably just has a wide angle. And you can make that wide angle even wider by putting like a, I use moment lenses, so I'm going to use that example. Um, my wide angle moment lens takes my wide angle camera and basically turns it into an ultra wide, which is, um, you know, really, really good for landscape photography. Um, I don't know. There's, there's probably many use cases for it, but, um, in, in my case, that's, that's the m main reason I would use it. And, um, you can put it on, like you could put a wide angle on the telephoto cam uh, camera of a phone that has that telephoto and change how things look from there. Uh, you know, there, there's endless possibilities for, uh, expanding the capabilities of the phone's cameras and even, even going macro. And I'll touch on that a little bit more in a minute here, but, um, you know, shooting macro just opens up a whole new world of possibilities. So, um, one of the things that I've discovered, and, and this is through kind of the help of moment, the company that makes these lenses that I use, um, they put some of this stuff on, on the internet. Um, when, okay. So the, the iPhone, if it has two lenses, the wide angle camera, is going to have the better aperture. The telephoto camera has a smaller aperture, which lends to just slighter, uh, lesser quality images. So something that I do and, and something that Moment talked about was if you got one of their telephoto lenses and put it on the wide angle camera, that would give you pretty close to the same focal length or, or viewing angle and whatnot of the telephoto camera on the phone. But what it does is it uses the wider aperture of the wide angle camera. And this is all going to sound mixed up, but if you listen to it again, maybe you might, it might make more sense. But anyway, um, with the wide camera with a telephoto lens on it, you're going to get better image quality than you would with the telephoto camera by itself. And you're going to get the same 
um, the same reach, I guess you could say, like the, the same zoom capability. And so what that does is it, it gives you a cleaner image because you're using a wider aperture. It's letting more light in for a faster shutter speed for a sharper image. The only caveat to that that I've noticed, at least with my 12 Pro Max, is that the ultra-wide camera, even though it's got a, a smaller aperture than the wide angle, and say I put the um, say I put the wide angle lens on the wide angle camera to get that ultra-wide type of look, it softens it up just a little bit because of all that extra glass that the light has to go through. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, using these lenses, it's like six of one and half a dozen of the other. Um, the better quality of the lens, I mean, the, the better luck you're going to have for sure. And we'll get into the different, <clears throat> excuse me, the different kinds of lenses here in a minute. But um, it, it's, it's so hard to explain without actually being able to show images um, the difference between you know putting a lens over the wide angle and a lens over the um, the telephoto, but <clears throat> excuse me, on the iPhones you cannot put a lens over the ultra wide. It, it just doesn't work. So there's that. Hmm. Yeah, and and when 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 Moment puts their cases out, they don't even provide a mount over the ultra wide because it just you know it just doesn't make sense to do that. So that you, they can only you can only mount the lens over the wide and the telephoto. Is there a reason? I wonder if the, I mean. Well, I think because the ultra wide camera is so wide itself that mm, okay. you would just get you would just see black around the outsides. You wouldn't see much of the image area. I don't think. Right uh, now, maybe tomorrow when it's daylight again, I'm gonna just hold a lens over it and see what happens. But I, I don't expect to have any luck. <laughs> but um, so, and then there's macro. Um, yeah. I was going to touch on macro because macro is it's, it's, you can get lost in macro like uh, for hours. Oh yeah. Um, and if I was to go, in the in the summer, if I was to go into a flower bed, um, I can get probably twenty five different shots of the same flower, um, focusing on you know edges of the petals or you know the the where the pollen is in the center and things like that. There's so many different opportunities um, and options when shooting macro. Uh, the macro can go over. On the iPhone, I'll say for the iPhone, the, the macro can go over the telephoto and the wide, but you have to use um, you have to use a camera app that can manually select the lens. I won't get into why the Apple camera won't do that because it's kind of a long story. But um, in order to do that, you have to use a third party camera app. Um, and when you put the macro lens over the telephoto camera. Like the two X camera, but on the the two point five X on the um, twelve Pro Max, the um, depth of field is so shallow. It is so shallow that it's very hard to 
actually get a good shot in focus. So with with apps like Camera Plus Two and and Halide, um, I know there's there's many other apps out there that have this f- feature. It's called focus peaking, and what it does is it lights up the area of focus, usually in green. Um, so if you see the edges of the paddle, say that are the line is on the the green lights up the edge of the paddle you know that part's in focus that's when you can hit the shutter get your shot and um you know bob's your uncle you got you got a a sharp macro shot but the the depth of field is so small that it's 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 a tricky thing to do Mm -hmm. yeah i've had that too where i'm trying to take sometimes um focal i'm trying to get macros of different flowers and Using not not a lens add-on, but using the camera plus uh, macro feature mm-hmm. uh, with its stability, because it's so like you said, just a little bit of movement in your hand if you're if you're trying to do a handheld uh, can yeah. just ruin a macro because you're so focused so tight that it, it 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 does make it really hard to figure to get that just right. And like you said, focus peaking would help does help tremendously on that too. Yeah, and there's. So, you know, those are a couple of different use cases for these lenses. Um, there's different kinds of these lenses too. Like, uh, I, I would say the three big players in this game are Moment, Sandmark, and Oloclip. Now, Oloclip, they've been around for quite some time and, and they make some, like all three of these companies make really good lenses. Oloclip is, just what it says it is. It's a clip. It clips over the lens. And the one thing I find with these clip-on, there's there's a, a ton of different companies that make clip-on lenses. And the the biggest challenge of using a clip-on lens is getting that lens perfectly centered over the camera. Because if it's off to the side, like just a little bit, you're going to have one side of it could possibly vignette a little bit and the other side could possibly be blurry. So if you're using clip-on lenses, um, just make sure it's it's dead center over the camera. And you could look down through the, the lens itself and you could probably see the camera in there, or, you know, the, the, the glass and whatnot. You'll see whether it's on center or not, but that's the biggest thing is to make sure it's on center. Now, Sandmark... Their lenses are screw mount, where you actually thread it into the the case. Now, Moment and Sandmark, um, you have to have a case for your phone, and the case has built-in mounts right in it over the cameras. So the Sandmark ones, they screw on with a thread, and the Moment ones are like a bayonet mount. You just put it in, turn it a quarter quarter turn, and it's locked into place. Um, I would say both are very... um, very good, very stable, and line the the can the the lens up over the camera perfectly. So, when you're looking at possibly getting some of these lenses, um, you know, do your homework, uh, do some research on them, and find which one's better for you. By all means, get the best one that you can afford. You know, don't. Don't go beyond your means just getting these little lenses. Um, get the best ones that you can afford. Like if there's two or three different kinds of clip-on lenses, usually the more the, the more you pay for them, the better they're going to be. So kind of keep that in mind. Um, watch out for 
advertisements. I've seen so many advertisements for those little, um, they look like little telescopes, but they're lenses and they clip onto a phone and they're supposed to bring things way off into the distance really close. I've never seen one. I've never tried one, but I can almost guarantee they're not that good. Uh, generally, they're very low, low priced. And I have seen some reviews that people have written about those things saying they're nothing but garbage. So um, be very careful of advertisements that you see for these little lenses. And, uh, and, and, and also, as I've heard other people say, you can't. You can't fool physics. No, that's right. <laughs> you, you know, there's a reason why if you look on the sidelines of sports games and yeah. you see these people with these lenses, which need to have supports because there's too, they're too heavy to keep to hold up. Oh yeah. <laughs> and they're yeah, like the lens sits on the tripod, not the long. camera. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's how you get these amazingly, and these are big cameras. These aren't, you know, trying to put something. And I, we've seen attachments you can do that are, uh, what, like ten, like five to ten inches long zoom lenses you can put on an iPhone. Um, which I'm sorry, it looks ridiculous. It may work good. Yeah, with with the right I, hardware. Yeah, yeah. Right. It, it still looks ridiculous, but to get yeah. that kind of zoom, uh, you really either need a lot of computational power. Um. Like supposedly what Samsung and Google's occasionally can do. I don't want to discount them hundred percent because I don't have personal experience. Or you need a long, big lens. Because also mm-hmm. the more zoom you are, the less light comes in. Yeah. So you have unless, that on unless top you're gonna pay it. fifty thousand for a lens. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean if you're trying to like add a zoom lens onto your phone. It can zoom so much, but you add zoom, you're taking away light. If you take away light, you take away some of the sharpness that you may want to gain by getting closer. Yeah. So, like I said, you you can't fool physics. Light oh, right. acts a certain way when it goes through glass. That yeah, has not exactly. really changed in a couple hundred years on how we understand yeah. <laughs> how that works. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a very valid point. Um, so, you know, on that note, um, don't expect if you're using, say you put a, um, I'll, I'll use my examples again. I got a moment tele lens. It's, it's, it says 58 millimeters on it. So over the one X camera on my iPhone, it is supposed to look roughly like a 58 milliliter or milliliter millimeter, um, lens on a DSLR, it's supposed to give you that, that look, um, or, or like kind of that, that zoom range or whatever you want to call it. But don't expect, you know, don't expect to do sports photography or bird photography, things like that with, with these lenses because they just don't have that kind of reach. Um, they're, they're just to, you know, expand on the capabilities of the of the existing cameras a little bit um you know the wide angle it does a pretty good job of making things wider and i don't i can't i can't speak for the sandmark or the Clip or any of these other ones i can only speak for a moment because that's what i use and i will say that the um the what moment wide has pretty good image quality 
edge to edge. It may get a tick soft on the outer edges of the frame, but for the most part, like it, depending on what you're taking pictures of, I guess, it, it does look pretty good. The telephoto is pretty good all around because it's, you know, cutting out a lot of that wide, um, area and, and kind of narrowing the, the, the angle of view. Um, but, you know, don't use these things trying to think you're going to get, um, you know, th things that are way far away brought way in. Even the putting the telephoto lens over the 2X camera or in, in my case, the 2.5X camera on my iPhone, you just don't get the image quality. You, you get things brought in, you know, pretty decent, but the image quality is just not quite that good. It's just not that good. Um, because again, the telephoto camera on the, <clears throat> excuse me, on the iPhone has uh, a smaller aperture than the wide angle. Uh, so, I mean, it, it brings it into something like, I'm, I'm just throwing a number out there, like a 200, maybe 210 millimeter zoom lens. But it's just not, uh, it's the, the image quality is just not that great. So there's certain um, combinations to use these things on the phones. And, I mean, you know, you play around with it, you know, try different things if you have a, a set of lenses and, and see what gives you the best results and then just stick to those those combinations. But uh, uh, they are fun to use. They're, they're, they're fun to play around with. Uh, I mean, my favorite is the macro. And so what I have is I have the macro, I have the wide angle, I have a telephoto and I have an anamorphic and the anamorphic is used when for doing video and what it does is it compresses the image uh, so you have the you know like in in movies that you watch on TV it has the black bars on top and bottom but the image still looks great because the if you use filmic pro or um, the moment camera app both those apps have that function in them where they can de-squeeze the image and make it look normal, but you got that nice wide view. And the other nice thing about the anamorphic lens is it gives you that nice um, Abrams flare that you see in those Star mm. Trek movies that came out a few years ago. Excuse me. And so, I mean, it's, it's kind of a cool effect that you get from them. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a lot of fun to play around with. Um, I don't know how often I use them. Probably not very often. I would say I use the macro more than anything. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun to play with. And my first set of lenses was a little set of, they're from a company called ProMaster. ProMaster makes a little bit of everything for, um, for photography accessories. And, I I bought these these lenses. It was like a five in one kit. It was a, a wide angle, a little telephoto, fisheye macro, and a polarizer. Um, the only one out of that kit, like it was less than seventy dollars. So that's for five lenses. So you, like I said, the money you pay is you get what you pay for. But it was a really cool um, little kit to start with. And it got me hooked. I, I never thought I would put lenses on a phone before I got this case. And then when I when I put them on the phone and played around with them, especially with the little macro, it gave me the pretty decent image quality compared to all the rest of them. And it got me hooked on them. And then that's when I 
started buying moment lenses as time went on. Mm. Yeah, I know that one person I think that we both follow, Ithalu. Yes. Her oh. her macro shot. And I, I just looked her up and she she it looks like she's using moment lenses now. In addition to uses, her Yeah, I think she uses Oloclip and Moment. Yeah. Yeah, where in the yeah. past she used um I think I forget the company the company she used, but her photos are just mind blowing in terms of her macro photography. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When we were on Tiny Shutter, we could have picked her images every week for for yep. pick of the week. Yeah, and I would say anyone who wants to see macro photos and uh, videos with iPhones, because all her shots are with iPhones, uh, it's Itha I T H A underscore M A R, and yep. her shots are just they're, they're in my mind they're mind blowing. Yeah. Now, I did do an interview, quote unquote, with her um, back when this this podcast used to be called the Artful Life Phonography Interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember which episode it was uh, offhand, but I'll put it in the show notes. And when I was trying to get her to do the interview, she was just too, too shy to actually come on the call and, and do it. So... What I did was I sent her some questions and she wrote back with the answers and then I just went on solo and, and did the interview. So it's it's a fairly short one. I think it might only be 15 or 20 minutes, but um, if you want to learn a little bit more about Ithalu and, and you know, her shooting style and things like that, I, I can't remember what all the interview had in it, but... Uh, um, I'll put I'll put that episode in the show notes just to, as a reminder so people can can check it out. But she is absolutely amazing when it comes to macro. And honestly, the stuff like that's one of the the positives of social media is seeing what other people are doing and then getting inspired by it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, God, I'm trying to think of who else really uses these lenses a lot. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't, I, I follow so many people on Instagram and whatnot that I, I just can't think of, of any, like no, nothing really comes to mind uh, uh, for anyone that really uses them a lot. But I will put the links to uh, Moment, Sandmark, and Oloclip in the show notes. Um, you know, you could check them out, have a look at the. There's always sample images on their websites of what these lenses produce, and I'm sure they're going to be edited to look really good. That's, you know, not a given, but, um, huh, I guess that's about it for lenses. Uh, anything else you want to bring up, Dave? Uh, not really. Um, just, you know, I think honestly, the biggest thing is just get out there and try stuff. And, yeah. Don't be afraid, you know, as much, and again, as much as social media can be a horrible, horrible place, um, which that's, unfortunately, people can be horrible people. Uh, In general, if you post stuff out there and ask for, you know, you know, you go out there, you say, I'm trying something, I'm looking for input. Um, you may not get responses, you know, it, honestly, it depends on, you know, how many people follow you on social media and where you post at, but a, most, a lot of the responses for most people will be positive. 
you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, you know, if you're looking to try something and, you know, go out there, experiment and get feedback. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, here, here's a case in point for that right there, Dave, is, is Shane Mostyn in, in Australia, who was on the show here um, not too long ago, has a Facebook group and uh, he encourages people to put things on there. And if you want help getting it edited properly or whatever, um, well, actually, he has a Discord channel for that. But I mean, he's mm. he's always uh, offering to help people with their editing to make it look better and um, you know, if, if anybody has any questions about anything in that group, like a lot of it has to do with astrophotography because that's what a lot of his stuff is, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. I mean, it, it, it could be about anything. So I, I've seen people on that Facebook group. Um, I think it's called Bloody Legends, Shane Mostyn Photography. <laughs> uh, cause <laughs> he, he gets the Bloody Legends part from, um, on his YouTube videos at the beginning, he says, uh, "If if you've sub- go ahead and subscribe, but if you've already subscribed, you're a bloody legend." <laughs> so, so, uh, uh, but yeah, he he's always offering to you know when, when he gets time. And he's a working man, so um, when he gets time, he'll take somebody's image and and help them edit it and you know try to make it better, better suited for what they're looking for and things like that. So, um, yeah, there's definitely. A lot of people out there that are doing good for, um, you know, in, in the artistic world. Um, now, one thing that I will bring up is when I was, when we were on Tiny Shutter, I was a real proponent for an app called Day Flash. And I was, I had high hopes for it because I think it was a nice looking app and all this stuff. Uh, they were trying to get some traction in the, in the uh, social media space. And, and, you know, the one thing that was nice about their app was that they had full page, like full screen images of, of the photos that you put on there. But long story short, they lost um, traction when it came to getting funding to keep going. So they're shutting down sometime in May. I think it's May 25th or something like that. The app will no longer be there. So, I mean, it's not even in the Canadian app store right now. So if you're on Dayflash, you've probably already been notified. Um, I've actually been away from Dayflash for quite a while now because I wasn't getting out of it what I thought I would get out of it. There, there wasn't many uh, mobile users on there that I could kind of, you know, associate with. Uh, it, a lot of there was a lot of models and things like that going on on there, and I'm I'm more of a landscape guy, so it just wasn't doing anything for me, so I kind of you, you couldn't delete your account. That's another thing is you couldn't delete your account. All you could do is take your pictures off and just let it, let it sit there. So, mm. um, see, I, I, I mean, kind of stopped using it after a while. Like you said, a lot of the photos yeah. were, and and when we actually interviewed the person on Tiny Shutter, something I I actually mentioned was I'm see I saw less casual photography. Than I did on Instagram where I was seeing a lot of photos of, oh, here's the kids out or I just went to an event and here's a picture of us at the, you know, the the local fair when we had local fairs or something on that nature. And I noticed these were really – they were very high-quality photos and a lot of model photos. But unfortunately nothing – it was like – I'm not saying they were bad, but they just didn't – match what i thought 
I would go. So I just kind of stopped. Um, I just stopped posting without even, you know, and it's like, well, yeah. it's out there. And um, I guess it's just one of those things that are just going to go, um, you know, yeah, I, I just kind of fell off my radar until I heard it was shutting down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it uh well, I kind of fell off my radar like I say months ago or so when I sometime last year, I think it was I I just started taking all my stuff off there because I just wasn't getting anything out of it for me, like it wasn't doing anything for me. Um I had really no reason to keep going back into the app and things like that. So, you know, it's too bad. They they gave it a good go. Um they say that if the possibility comes up that they can um, you know, restart it, you know, maybe, maybe if they get enough funding or whatever, but yeah, I mean, it's so hard to compete with Instagram in the mobile space. It's just so, so hard. And, uh, as much as I hate Facebook, I know I'm, I'm still on it and I, I, I'm still on Instagram, but I mean, uh, it, it's where everybody is. It's, you know, you don't have much choice really. If you want to, if you want to share your images, if you want to be part of a community like that, that's where you have to be. And uh, uh, I guess it is what it is. So, well, Dave, um, I think that was a another good informative program. And uh, I guess we'll uh, tie it off with that to let us know where everybody can find you. Sure. You can find me um, as, as we kind of go down places what, that we talked about. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, as ProfPod, and um, on the Tiny Shutter group. And I joined actually a new group on Facebook. Um, haven't posted much there, but I'm as Dave Podner Jr. on Facebook. Uh, senior's my dad. He does have an iPhone. He does take pictures, not that often. Uh, but uh, if you see a Dave Podner Jr., that would be me on Facebook, but also as ProfPod on um, Instagram and Twitter. All right. And you can find me on Instagram at McMillan Photo, on Twitter, McMillan underscore photo, and just about any, all the links to wherever I am on the internet is uh, at about.me slash McMillan. So. Uh, we try to do the show every two weeks, and you can find the podcast at iPhonography.ca, and that is the actual website now. <laughs> I, you, I, before this, I was saying it takes you to a website called artfulipc.com. Well, that is no longer the case. It is um, iPhonography.ca, and that is the true space. And <clears throat> you can get it on the Apple Podcast app, on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, uh, just about anywhere else where you can get a podcast, um, you know, wherever you listen to your podcast, you should be able to find it. Just do a search for iPhoneography and it should show up. Uh, you can find the Artful iPhoneography community, which is where this podcast originated from. Um, you can find it on MeWe at artfulipc.club. So I guess until next time, Dave, hopefully we will see more spring colors popping out and uh, a little more sunshine and maybe a little less oh, yeah. rain. Oh yeah. yeah. Hopefully everyone gets a chance to get out and, you know, and I, I hate without um, being too negative, uh, socially still distant. Hopefully everyone can get the vaccine when they get a chance. If you're old, if you can, uh, but still, you know, get out there, enjoy out there, 
socially distant. We can all enjoy being out there in the in the nice weather. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Good talk, and we'll see you on the next one. Sounds great. Okay, folks, this is tagged on to the end of the program because Dave just discovered something that uh, is very pertinent to what we were talking about with these lenses. Go ahead, Dave. No, thanks, Rick. Yeah, I, 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 when you were mentioning the different lens companies, I brought up Oloclip um, just to see what their current uh, product listing was. And uh, right on the website, it says, we're on a hiatus. On, on, we're on a hiatus. Uh, it says, Oloclip is taking this time to refresh what has been uh, a year unlike any other in modern times. The COVID-19 global shutdown has impacted worldwide conference uh, in unimaginable ways. Our hope is that mankind will soon recover from the devastating outcome of the pandemic. At this time, our products are unavailable for purchase at oloclick.com, and our operations will remain closed indefinitely. Uh, thank you for your precious loyalty and outstanding support. We look forward to a future full of health, enduring love, and success for all. Cheers. Wow. that That's too bad, really. Um, you know, one thing that's kept Moment going is their variety of, of products and services that they have. And, um, you know, they have, like, they have courses. They have... Um, Tours, adventures, and things like that. Now, I don't know how they've been managing that during COVID, but um, they have a lot more to their name than just trying to sell lenses. So I think that's why they're doing okay. You know, Sandmark, I don't know. Um, if you go to Sandmark, folks, and, and look up their stuff, I don't know what you're going to expect to see, but, um, you know, hopefully they're still surviving and, and, thriving just just as good as anyone but um yeah so we just thought we'd throw this on the end real quick and uh um by now you'll probably hear the the music for the end of the show going and uh, uh but when dave told me this that just after i stopped recording the first time i thought okay this is important enough to hit the record button again and get get this on the show so uh, thanks, Dave, for bringing that up. And uh, on that note, uh, have a good week, folks, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.